Okay, we are continuing chapter 8, the super idols. And I think we have six more studies. We have four more chapters. So this chapter, we're going to just kind of cover half of it, and we'll finish it up next week. And I haven't decided what other chapter we'll have two weeks with. But um, So there you go. You can just keep reading then. Just kind of keep reading. All right, so super idols. First of all, uh, how is everybody? How was your Easter? It was, yes. It was, a, yeah, it was a great day. Um, yes, it was, it was a lot of, uh, a lot of fun. Yeah. Everything went really well. Uh, okay. Well, Super Idols. Uh, how many people actually read this chapter? Just because I... Uh... You didn't. Oh, no, I did do it. <laughs> I, um... I All right, good, good, good. So let's just get... We'll have to slow down then, and that's good, because I'm... But my biggest concern is talking too quickly. Because, um... A lot of the things in this chapter we've actually touched on, but maybe not in such a, a, a concentrated way. So what is a super idol, according to Elizabeth Scalia? Uh, she has a great quote from, uh, in, in this book. If St. Gregory of Nyssa was correct, and he was, that ideas lead to idols, I might take his thought a bit further and say that ideologies lead to super idols. So... Um, in our first couple weeks, we kind of talked about how um, ideas are kind of idols that really fix the mind, and they're kind of all-encompassing. Well, Scalia brings that up in ideologies. So uh, ideologies would be more of a kind of a worldview perspective. An idol that is, as she says, it's, it's not one step removed, it's two steps removed from from kind of taking your place, uh, taking the place of God, which means then it's it's a lot harder to notice because it's so part of who you are. It's not a, like an outside object; it's more of an inside process. Okay, so just to kind of remind uh, from our first few weeks, uh, idolatry is not the sort of thing that one simply overcomes. All right, so in, in the last. Several weeks, we've kind of pointed out certain idols, you know, idol of the plan, beauty, coolness, and we can kind of target that. But super idols gets to more of this kind of all-encompassing super uh, idolatry. So at best, one becomes aware of its presence and works very hard to root it out, ever aware that it can always return and that even our attempts to overcome idolatry can themselves turn into new forms of idolatry. So super idols kind of fit within that framework where as we find certain idols, we actually might find certain idols based on these super, I'm sorry, we find certain idols based on the super idols. So we have a certain worldview that uh, basically um, condemns certain idols, but at the same time super idols can actually condone other forms of idolatry. And we'll, we'll kind of maybe, well, hopefully we'll see that by the end of today. Definitely next week. 
So, um, so you can actually have a world view that says, um, you know, poverty is a terrible thing, but yet you, uh, but you, you, uh, you know, you have you have to have an extra storage locker because you have too much stuff. You know, you see how those are actually shouldn't really fit together, right? Okay, so, um, or you're uh, abhorred by starvation in certain countries, but yet, you know, you continually throw away food that's been expired and not eaten. I mean, there's, and, and you're not, and you don't feel um, guilt or, or, you know, anything about that. You're just living comfortably within this framework. Scalia would, would say that that's because of a super idol. You have a whole, you have a, a, a way of seeing the world where you can actually allow these things to be. Now, she drives it one more point further where it says, even, well, I think I might have quote, quote that, where uh, we can see God in our own hatred. Like that's like kind of taking it out to the nth degree. So, all right. Okay. Um, so what she has chose to call super idol grows out of ideologies too well watered. That's on page 106. Meaning that um, these super idols have been so saturated. Uh, they have saturated our worldview. Like, like I said, we just don't notice them anymore. Okay. Um, the super idols become uh, the rule in which we measure our reality. Super idols are our worldview, which means if headlines, sermons, people do not conform to it, then they are to be disregarded or destroyed and destroyed. And that's, that's uh, Scalia's whole point, is that you can establish a super idol in your mind where you can work hard against something, feel that you are working on the good side, and in fact, you're working for evil. Now, um, what would, like a, a biblical case, think about characters in the Bible. Okay, yeah, Judas... Crucifying Jesus, yep. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Crusades would be another. That would be, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. So, uh, and it depends on who you ask about the Crusades, too, right? Because the mercenaries, yeah, okay. But let's just stick with the Bible stories. Um, okay, good. Because yeah, that's right. Then um, uh, crucifying Jesus. What do you mean? Well, like his, he didn't want to go there. Right. And his idol was like to be with people who love Jesus. Or yes, right. The one God. true God, yes, right. But he didn't believe that like God could change uh, people in Nineveh. And then he was like angry when well, he had, a, he, had a, he had a grave concern, right? He had a concern that God would be merciful against the people he hated. Yeah, he hated him, but why did he hate him, though? This is where uh, Holly's pretty much right, though. That's right. They were, yeah, they weren't Christians. And why should God show mercy to, well, I mean, Old Testament Christians, as I tell the kids. Yeah, right. Um, I mean, 
Uh huh. Okay. Sure. Because that area should be just like where I grew up. Yeah, I was gonna so say. It's, it's, it's <laughs> distorted because it should be just like Wausau, Wisconsin. <laughs> which, is, which is a pretty great place. <laughs> and if it's not like it. Yeah. Right. Then it must be something wrong with it. Right. Scalia said something about like the wrong sort of Christians. Right. Yep. Yeah. You can't disregard all of them. Yeah, the whole lot if it's there. Right. Now, um, so uh, so crucifixion of Jesus, because the Pharisees are, are thinking that you know this guy's destroying in uh, in in John in on Good Friday. Well, actually, Palm Sunday is another one too, where. Um, uh, the Pharisees see these people like we're not. This is we're doing no good here. The whole world's going after him. And then, in a different section, just before that, or no, right after that, there's a little debate where um, the Pharisees are kind of talking, and they, they basically say we got to do something about this guy because the Romans are going to come in, take our way of life and our nation from us. You know, so like they're they're trying to preserve their what they see as their yeah their way of life or their values or who they are. Now, of course, um, you know Jesus is actually saying, "No, this is who you really, truly are." Um, so they have they have a super idol in their brain. They have this ideology that sees the world in a certain way, and they're willing to do anything to uphold it. And that rolls even into later in the New Testament with the, uh, the Apostle Paul. Paul is going around and arresting and persecuting Christians because he sees it as what is good. So, that, I mean, that's another little bit. Okay, anywho. Um, so we see some examples of how super idols become the measure of our reality and of course, we'll get now. This is where we question it. So, what is? How do we do? How do we measure? How do we see our world? That's from Colossians two eight. So, go ahead and turn to Colossians, chapter two. Right, there's a variety of Bible passages, but I just use this one because of uh, philosophy and empty deceit or vain philosophy. I should turn to Colossians, not Corinthians. Okay. Colossians chapter 2, and uh, we'll just start at verse 6 to get uh, verse 8 into context. Uh, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Walking is a way of life. That, that's, that's, so you've got a way of life. Rooted, built up in him. So your foundation's in Jesus. Your growth is in Jesus, and established in the faith, 
just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. So Paul you know, has these two contrasting things, Jesus and kind of human tradition, the way of God and the way of man. For in him the whole fullness of deity, deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him. So Scalia in the book says, uh, interpreting the, um, how do you tell time? And then what fills up the times? So the content of what we see or how we interpret things? So Paul says, you are filled in Christ. So that's, that's what fills you up. That's what kind of, that's what you have your faith goggles on. That's how you see the world because you've been filled up in it. Uh, but if you've been filled up with Christ, then you've been filled up with who? Yeah, Holy Spirit, the triune God, you know, because the fullness of God. Okay, um, I'll keep going here. Um, oh, who is the head of all rule and authority? All right, so uh, we'll, we'll see this very soon, is that as we interpret the times, and especially as uh, Scalia, later in the book, kind of what, what is her train of thought? What does she use as an example of a super idol? She doesn't actually use the word, but... Why she uses, well, actually, did I say that at the end? Oh, no, it's on the bottom of the page. Good citizenship. It's another way of saying that. We'll come. What's that? Uh, well, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, well, we, they, she talks about moral authority. But, like, even, like, uh, yeah, a patriotism. Yeah. So, um... So you think about patronism, who's in control, who's leading, who's got this all under control. The Paul, Paul has this rooted, though, in Jesus, because he's, he's the head of all rule and authority. All right. So as you can tell, Paul is really painting this worldview that's pretty wide in scope and has Jesus at the center of it. And, and, and not just the center, but the whole thing. Okay, and then, and then Paul, uh, so, uh, Paul talks to the Jews and the Christians, or Jewish Christians, about circumcision and baptism and how when you are baptized, you die to this old way of understanding the world and you rise to understanding it through Jesus. And at the very end, in verse 15, okay, so that train of thought goes all the way down to verse 15. And Jesus disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over the, them in him. Okay? So that, that's really important for us because as... So Paul's basic understanding of the worldview is who's in control, who's leading us, it's Jesus. And that then that frame of mind then helps us understand our current situation. That's how we tell the time, or times, through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And that's important, too, because in the death and resurrection of Jesus, um, it's actually in the gospel text, but you know, we're so far removed from this that we don't quite get it. But um, 
So, uh, you know, when the Roman soldiers give Jesus this purple robe, a crown of thorns, and the staff, what are they dressing him up like? A ruler, a king. Now, of course, what are they doing, though? They're mocking him. Now, what, who, who's the joke on, though, actually? On them. Jesus mocks the mocker. Uh, and then where would be his throne? Or the cross. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so Jesus is, is so as we, uh, and, and actually it was interesting too, I, I didn't think about that until we were singing it. In the Good Friday service, um, Abide With Me, that the song, we sing it at the end. And the last verse, how does the last verse start? Hold thou thy cross before my closing eyes. And I always think, oh, that's a very nice image. Because you want to think about God's love and all that. But in reality, it, it's, it's, your, it, it's, it's not so much an encouragement, but that's like the truth. It's the reality of things. So as you close your eyes, you're still seeing the world according to how you should see it just in everyday life by the death and resurrection of Jesus. And uh, anyways, I thought, well, yeah, that's right. So as I close my eyes, I want my, my mind, my heart on the ruler of the world, or the universe. Okay, so uh, Colossians 2.8, you have this contrast between Jesus as our worldview and human tradition. Now, in verse 8, philosophy and empty deceit, uh, the words that are most important are the word captive and empty. Philosophy as philosophy is, is not bad. But philosophy that actually takes you captive and doesn't allow for questions is the super idol. Because it's so part of your worldview that if to ask about it, you would be, you know, what's wrong with you? This is just the way things are. How could you even question that? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, it does. Not can. It does. And that's why we always have to be vigilant against idolatry. The other thing, too, though, is empty deceit, which seems a little bit, like, redundant. Mm-hmm. Right? Deceit is, by nature, empty. Um, so Paul is basically, what he's, he's getting on here is a worldview that presumes more than... Uh, than, than it is. So you're just being deceived into something uh, that's just nothing. It's a lie. Okay. All right. Oh, okay, so um, now the super idols, I think, just are logical manifestations of idols. I, I mean, it's not really a huge difference. I know she has a whole entire chapter different, but I really want us to think about idols that we simply take into our life as become part of who we are, just turn into super idols, you know, rather than keeping the idols outside of ourselves, like sometimes we're able to. If those idols become part of who we are, then they turn into super idols. And, and then, of course, your faith is destroyed and your sense of right and wrong is warped. Um, and if someone comes up against your super idol, as Lindsay had said you feel that you're, like when someone's wrong, according to your real view, you, you kind of have this veneer of moral authority to judge them as wrong. 
And then that's where things get really messy. Okay. And then that's where the quote is there. Uh, these certainties give us permission to hate. Although I think a lot of us wouldn't necessarily use the word hate. I, th- I think that's probably the, the, the correct word. Uh, and tell us our hate is not just reasonable, but pure. If simple idolatry blocks our views of God, the super idol becomes, uh, because it's so highly burnished, makes us think that we're seeing God in our hatred. Righteous anger, yep. Yep. Oh, good. We will talk about the Pope next week. Yes, I think you're right. I, and I'll just use him as an example. Like, I mean, I'm not, like, but, um, like, for instance, last year, I can't remember what it's called. I have it written down now. Um, he, he, uh, he, he talked about, uh, like, trickle-down economics and how that, that was a bad thing. And, now, so, okay, Politically speaking, if you if you say trickle down economics is bad, then who who are you against? Republicans, but more specifically Ronald Reagan. And I mean, so then if you're against Republicans and Ronald Reagan, then you must be what? Not just a Democrat, but well, you're not. Yeah, well, of course you're not. I mean, but he, you know, he's not an American, so of course he's not. Yeah, you're a liberal. You're a socialist. You're I mean, who knows? Anybody who, who Ronald Reagan was against. Now, of course, I mean, is the, I mean, the Pope's not any of those things, right? I mean, okay, no one's going to label him as, as being a socialist or a communist. But, but, but under this understanding of uh, um, uh, the super idol, though, if your worldview is so uh, set on kind of, I would say, caricature of republicanism or Reaganism, then you're going to, and, and with this, uh, I, yeah, some people did that to the Pope. So, yeah, I think, I think you're getting to that. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, that's, okay, so Scalia's example is good citizenship. Maybe patriotism, you could say. But what are some other examples of super idols? What, what other super idols can you imagine? This might be hard. I mean, I, I can think of several that I grew up with that I, I had my world rock. Rachel? What about, um, like, the whole Joel Osteen, your best life now kind of Okay, good, man. You, you hit the biblical notions can become uh, super idols. That's right. Yeah. Uh, how, how, do, how can we simply say this? Uh, your best life now. Um, kind of the warp understanding of the word blessing. Yeah. Oh, like the prosperity gospel. There you go. Life will be beautiful if I'm right. You know, faithful. And how do they understand beauty? Beauty beautiful by do they by Jesus dying on the cross or by human tradition? Yeah, human tradition. How big your house is. Uh, and in fact, I don't. I have only watched the TV clips. Again, man, I, I tell you all the time. I say this to Holly all the time. I'm like, man, I, I, I'm a sucker for this. 
So I got a, uh, a email message from this uh, email group that I'm a part of. I think it was out of Christianity Today. And there's these preachers of Los Angeles. It's like the wives of, you know, housewives of Atlanta. But it's about these, these uh, preachers in L.A. And uh, I, did, I, did, I, I, I recognized like one name. And it was kind of like, is that that guy? And then I looked up, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that guy. Uh, but some, the other ones, I didn't know who they were. But um, they are health and wealth. Wealth, I mean. So, I mean, you watch this, and I, I, my faith was being hurt. I just I couldn't take it anymore. Um, one of the pastors is driving a Mercedes-Benz. And not just a regular Mercedes-Benz, like the souped-up one, like the 100 I mean, six-figure car, and um, and as as he's driving it, he's you know he's really happy, and of course I'm sure these people are the the producers are playing up this image. I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. He's driving it. Uh, there's a voiceover saying like um, something like you know I really I like really nice things, and God has blessed me, and so I'm just enjoying what God has given me. Now, do you see the super idol and all that? I mean, that's kind of easy to see, right? He feels that he has the authority to do this and that it's good that he's doing this. And what's, and what's kind of sad, though, is that some of his parishioners say, what? Yeah, that's right. That's an easy example. But, uh, yeah, so you're right. I think biblical notions. In fact, I put a picture of... I, have we, you've seen that picture, right? Have I shown you that picture before? That's a picture of Jesus right there. I think that's a super idol because Jesus looks just like me. Yeah. I mean, this guy is like, he's got red hair. This guy looks like he is ready to pick the spring strawberries in the hills of the fjords. <laughs> that makes me feel good. I, I apologize if that is like your favorite picture of Jesus, but I, uh, okay, yeah, then I must have not have shown you before. I've, I've been waiting to show that to you, I guess. Yeah, uh, well, there's a whole series of them that came out, and they were at Wheaton College, the originals, um, Solemn, Salem, how do you say his name? Salome, something like that. He has a whole series of, of pictures, and, and one of them is the blue-eyed Jesus. And it's, you know, it kind of looks like his uh, high school senior portrait. <laughs> and uh, that has, unfortunately... Now, see, what the great thing about that is that that is a great form of art to help you understand the cultural influence of how we see Jesus. I used to, I used to like, abhor those things and just couldn't take them anymore, but... I'm not so I'm not so much against him anymore, but I. Uh, but you have to think critically about it. I mean, Jesus really didn't look like that at all. Okay. I mean, I don't. Maybe he was that well groomed, but I just you know when I when I think I see pictures of, uh, like Civil War or, or like you know when fo- photography just came out. In fact. Uh, oh yeah, I mean they're not that well groomed. Yeah, and his, the hair is usually greasy, and yeah. 
Yeah, so I just I just don't think that's you know that's just kind of now the thing is though that's an interpretation so that, you know that that's fine whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, he looked like a Middle Eastern guy. Yeah, I mean, that's just kind of that's just that's just being normal. That's being like that's just truthful. Yes. So, anyways, Krista, did you have a, something to say? Well, that's exactly right. So that's what I'm saying. It's an interpretation of who Jesus is. Now, we have to think critically of that. And that's with anything, too. Actually, not to get too much on a tangent here, but uh, like these movies that came out, uh, The Son of God and Noah. You know, people. some people were like, oh, this is terrible. You know, for about the Noah. First of all, it's a movie. Ooh, surely it's entertainment. And we're going to come back to that notion real quick. But, I mean, so you, you, you're, you're, you're basically, you're not thinking critically about this. This is somebody's idea. It's not the Bible. It is just someone's idea. Okay. So, I mean, you can still not like it, but to uh, say that this isn't truthful or this isn't right is probably more based on what? Yeah, your own interpretation and not the Bible itself. So... Um, it doesn't measure up to your, 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 yourself. So, okay, anyways, any other examples of super idols that you can maybe think of? We are, we talk, yeah, so biblical notions are all over the place. Lutheranism, too. I mean, Lutheranism can be a super idol. Cindy's like, Cindy's like, oh, yeah, okay, hey, take it easy, Cindy, come on. <laughs> I'm teasing. Um, or am I? No. Yeah, uh, exactly, and, and that, that was the reason why I put that quote from Bruce Benson up there, is that you, you, when, you, when you think you're so comfortable in your own kind of perspective to not ever question it, then you might be real close to a super idol. So, Lutheranism. That's exactly right. Well, if Jesus wasn't, Paul definitely was. So, yeah, I mean, and that's another thing, too, is that, uh, well, yeah, actually, I, I actually uh, I'll give you a simple example. So when did Lutheranism come around? 1500s, right? And, I, and I, I come across a lot of people who think you have Jesus and the apostles, and then Martin Luther. Basically, anything in between is kind of, eh, I don't know. I grew up Baptist, and that's how exactly how they thought. They really thought like the church for the fifteen hundred years before Baptist came around was like basically, uh, yeah, it was it was really hidden, and, and you couldn't really see it. Um, but yeah, even with Lutheranism, so you have one of the great great theologians of the church, uh, Thomas Aquinas. He's thirteen hundreds. Now, you know, I mean, this guy awesome, super smart, and he's kind of tossed out of hand as being the, just the teacher of the Roman Catholic Church because the Roman Catholics like him so much. Well, that's actually not true because they're... Yeah, right. <laughs> it, was, it was just the way it was. Yeah, exactly. So like, that's just not truthful. This is, this is not real. That's not true. So, um, yeah. So sometimes Lutheranism is a super idol too. We have to be careful. 
Okay, uh, any other like non-theological uh, super idols? We mentioned, we mentioned patriotism. Ooh, yeah. What do you mean? Yeah, keep talking. Yeah. Oh, man. I never, ever get to ride with them on Sunday. Well, no one's out driving, so it's easy. Right. Yeah. So, but, so it's like, and I'll talk to someone. Saturday night service. Well, no, you should no, tell them. St. John, 530. A lot of them are like, well, no, I've talked to my pastor, and I'm, uh, they know that I'm not going to be there during the summertime. I, I quit. I quit choir. I quit. I quit going to church for the summer. Wow. I'll be back in and they're okay with that. They're okay with I that? mean, the, the people are okay with that. The, the, yeah, right. This is more important than that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the health thing, though, too, is, is very interesting because of the, you know, the rise of organic foods and just kind of the food yeah. stuff, right? Yeah, right. Yep. Um, Dr. Kleinig, we had a long car trip with them back from Springfield. Yep started talking about the food revolution is like it's becoming this idolatry right like people are really hanging on to their food like if you eat twinkies how dare you put that in your body now you sh- i mean now is twinkies unhealthy absolutely they are terrible for you absolutely does it rise to the level of condemnation and spending your, the, your eternity in hell? I, I'm not sure if it rises to that. But man, I do love those Twinkies. Yeah, exercise. I would say that that's it's kind of all together. Is that? Yeah, and it's very interesting. Um, it's it's a it's a new form of asceticism. I think back in the old days they had that a lot. That's where you get a lot of the like the ideal forms and Greek uh, art and, and Roman art. It develops only because um, uh, uh, the Eastern in America, uh, they are well to do. That's right. And, and you have another super idol, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, their super idols are developed. That's exactly right. So this is good. So the rise of kind of this. Uh, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, this uh, super idol, that uh, health or whatever, it rises up because of this prosperity super idol where um, it is a right to have, to be prosperous. Now, of course, how do we define prosperity? Materially, right? Materialism. Um, Not in terms of relationships or, you know, uh, laughter, but materially. So, right, so you have this, you have a super idol. I mean, it is an assumption where your children should have more than you. Materially speaking. I was going to say kids are like another super idol. That would be another one. Family, yeah, kids, family, yep, exactly. So, but yeah, Crystal, you're absolutely right. So, um, again, I just go back. Once you find one idol, man, ten will prop up real quick. Oh, yeah. To take care of your body. Yeah. Because I don't think they did this in the church. Yeah, right. And the idea of doing things to the body, 
Sure. Yeah, oh, yeah, right. Right. God doesn't care about that. So why, you know. But yeah, well, God cares about everything. And, and that's why the Colossians, too, I mean, if you spend, I mean, we didn't spend enough time on it, but it is all-encompassing. I mean, that worldview is all-encompassing. There's not a point in life where Jesus isn't active. But of course, what is your lens in which you view? It's the death and resurrection of Jesus. So... That's real important. Barb? It's to the extreme that you take it. I mean, like health and that. Mm-hmm. It, it is all consuming. If that's all you think about, if that's all you do, and your whole life is driven not by Christ, but it's driven by sure. that with the underlying thing you're doing this. I mean, you know. Well, that, yeah, that, that, would, that would be a biblical notion. Right, the Bible, the, yeah, your temple. Yeah. Yep. your temple. Yeah, right. carried it to extremes. And when I got cancer, it was like, what? How could you do this? I mean, That's I've right. I've done everything right. I've done everything exactly. right. Exactly. I mean, it was devastating. Yeah, right. And so, and That's a good job. That's great. Doctor, That's good to notice. And the doctor kept saying, oh, no, you can't stop. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> what does it matter? Right, right, right. You don't eat ice cream for breakfast. Yeah, right. Well, okay, this is good. Though. So actually, Barb, this, that's a good anecdote to kind of just explore a little bit because your world was rocked in a way that you felt you were so right. I mean, before this, you, you felt like this is just the way life should be, and I was doing what was right. Now, frankly, you were doing what was right. I mean, you were eating healthy. That, that's right. You should be doing that. However, your understanding, though, was a little bit off, right? Where you, <laughs> it's so interesting. Because, and now this is, this is something, though, you might not have felt that way. So I'm, I'm putting words in your mouth, so you can correct me if I'm wrong. But um, actually, let's pretend it's not Barbara. But people who have had their world rocked in such a way that they, they um, were doing something good, like eating healthy or, you know, getting enough sleep at night, whatever. And then something bad happens that is exact, you know, the exact opposite of what they're doing. They, they, the answer is to not to, to, to stop what you were doing before. But the, the, the answer to that is to understand why you're doing what you're doing. And so, like, it, um, if you're doing what you're doing based on this transaction, hey, I do this, I get this. You know that that that's just that's all whacked up. That's that's not that's not right. That's not grace living. So, like for instance, uh, I don't know if I told this story to you before, but Holly had a friend who got married, and her husband had he was a consultant, and he had a job in Chicago, and her friend was in between jobs, or I don't know, I don't know, I can't remember, but she. Uh, came and visited him. They were, I think they lived in Texas or somewhere south. And, and she came to visit him while he was on this consulting job for like a month or something. Anyways, we took him, we were like, hey, we'll meet you downtown. This is a long time ago. Uh, we'll pick you up. We'll go out to dinner and a movie. Okay, no problem. So we found this greasy spoon pork 
barbecue barbecue pork place right across the street from the movie theater. Oh man, I'm 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 excited. I, I'm super excited about him this place. I am so excited. And I thought it was kind of fun because it's kind of like, you know, greasy. Yeah, right. It's kind of like neighborhoody and all that. Um, so we're driving. And, uh, you know, it's saying hi and all that stuff, pleasantries. And then we at, tell them where we're going. And they're like, oh, well, we, we, don't, we can't eat there. I'm like, what? Can't eat pork. Why can't you eat pork? Uh, it's a, The bottom feeders or something like that. I'm like, man, all, I was about to be, so basically because the Bible said so. In the Old Testament. They read this book about, what Jesus ate. yeah, I, I can't remember what the name of it. Maybe it was, yeah. And I, I started asking some questions, and all of a sudden, Holly reaches over and just squeezes my legs to like, yeah, let it be. Just, I'm like, what? And uh, I, was, I was floored. They literally, though, they, they really believed, though, that they were doing something that God wanted them to do. No. They didn't use that word. I don't know if they would even know that word. Well, because they're Christians. They're not Jewish. Again, that's when Holly kind of reached over and just stopped asking questions because, yes, just, I don't know. I can't even remember what they ate. French fries? I don't know. But anyways, so uh, so their whole point of doing what they were doing, now on a certain level, is it healthy to not eat barbecue pork? Yes, it's very healthy to not eat barbecue pork. It is so good. But to not eat pork for uh, for like a, uh, 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 well, I mean, yeah, I mean, the book of Acts kind of puts that all away, so. Oh, yeah, good. I did, I did not read that. That's right. Right. You do that, therefore, you're bad. Right. <laughs> I know, I know, I feel terrible. I don't, actually, but... Right. You don't agree with me. Yeah, right. You're bad. That's right. Yeah, ad hominem, right? Isn't that, isn't that what that means? You're attacked on personal character, not your argument. You're bad. You're bad. Rather than your argument doesn't make sense, your views aren't, aren't supporting well, your... Degree to disagree or, or, you know, right. Or whatever. Um, this is really... Yeah, that's exactly right. Because bad people are bad. Right. We don't want bad people around here, do we, Bobby? No. Get them out of here. I don't know. All right. Hey, so let's, let's flip the page real quick. Um, so telling time and telling the times. This is very important. So how do you tell time? Uh, and this whole intro was kind of interesting for me. Um, how do you tell time? Oh, with your watch, right? It's pretty simple. How does the church tell time, though? Oh, yeah, go ahead. I didn't get this. Okay, good. That's good. I first, I didn't understand it either. Like, I don't have any problem. When I'm on the computer, although 
I don't spend a whole day on the computer, but I don't have any problem with it. And the time always goes quickly. Did you? Yeah, no, so first of all, I didn't get it because I didn't understand how it dealt with this super idol, but then I, I understood now. What she's saying is the loss of understanding of where you are at helps allow super idols to infiltrate your life. So if you lose track of time, you lose sense of where you are and where you're headed. Well, yeah, I, I think part of that is, is, but she also had this uncanny ability to tell what time it was. It's until spooky. She, until she was That's right. Well, okay, I, 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 first of all, I think this is important. I, I, telling time, though, is really important for me just because the Bible says so. So how do you tell time? Now, how does the church tell time? The life and death of the resurrection of Jesus. That's right. That's perfect. So... So they take what Paul says and they apply it to the church year. I mean, and that's how we talk about it, kind of just, you know, kind of in layman's terms, is we talk about the church year. How does the church tell time? Well, the church year. Um, but how does the church establish by the, death and res- the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus? Now, how does the church help you tell time? This is very important, and this is where I think sometimes things butt up to, to the, w- the way the world works. Color, yep. Worship. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So this last week, Holy Week, uh, I've had questions. Yeah, I know. I've had, I mean, I've had questions from friends of mine who were Christians. Why do you go to church that much that week? Well, because it's, it's, it's Holy Week. That's what you do. This is what this is what this is like the epicenter of of the universe. Now, so I mean, but but this is where I mean that's very important for us. Exactly. So that is where sometimes people are like, "What, what are you like a fanatic?" Well, kind of yes and no. What's that? They didn't say I was a fanatic, but they did. They asked, "Why do you go to church so much?" Um. They don't do it anymore now that I'm a pastor. I mean, they're kind of like, well, I guess that's what you do. But, um, oh, I said, I said because I love it. That was a simple answer. Um, they're like, oh, I guess that's good for you. Uh, I also, I also start like, uh, there, okay, so that was just some of my casual friends. Uh, there's a, a time where I used to ride the train to go back and forth from work, and there was a, a person who I uh, worked with who was a um, uh, Presbyterian. <laughs> and <laughs> so is that that funny? I don't know if that's funny, but yeah. And uh, it was it was a woman. It, that's when I worked at Wheaton College, and she was very intelligent. Her husband was getting his PhD, and when he was done, she was she got accepted into a PhD program at Notre Dame. And so, you know, she was she really was into theology, church history, and so um, when Holy Week came around, you know, I, w- I went to church like every single day, and she's like, you know what, you know. Like, tell me more about that. And so I just talked about what, you know, what the whole week meant. And for her, she kind of had a little bit of an academic knowledge of it, but she didn't understand. Like, it wasn't part of her life and her worldview. 
And so she had a lot of questions about, like, you know, do you need to do that? Like, she kind of questioned her own kind of faith. Well, I don't do that. Does that mean, like, I'm not as good as you? I'm like, no. That's, like, the last thing on my mind. But um, so my response to that was a lot more lengthy. We talked about what Monday, Thursday meant, Good Friday. You know, even, why, you know, why do we call it Good Friday? And at that time, I think St. John just started the vigil. Because, you know, there isn't a super long history of the vigil here at St. John. But, um, and I just was like, man, this is just, it's just an amazing thing for me because I haven't ever spent so much time thinking about these events as I do, yeah, during that time. And uh, that's all just an explanation of why I loved it so much. So because I love it, is, is a lot easier to swallow for people. But anyways, I think that's really important for us, though, because then if we spend time meditating upon during the week about like what's happening in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, then that kind of colors our daily life. So how do we tell time? We tell time by Jesus. And the church helps us actually do that. And even, even farther, I mean, so not only will it be like, you know, you have your Advent and your Christmas and Epiphany and Lent and Easter and Pentecost, but even throughout that then you also have Ascension, Transfiguration, you have these events that are happening. And then even through the summertime, though, you also have like Saint Days that come about, and those are all helpful for us to be able to tell time according to the life and death of Jesus because... Those people's lives help. They're like big signs that point towards Jesus. Okay, so what fills up our time? So that's how we tell time. What fills up the time? And that's the fullness of time, and that's Jesus Christ. Galatians 4 4 and Ephesians 1 10, Paul uses when the fullness of time came, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, to die. Um, so we have this distinction between chronos and kairos. Chronos uh, is like man-made time, man, you know, watch time. Kairos is God's time. You know, and we kind of say all in God's time, which we usually mean it takes a long time. <laughs> um, which is probably not fair. Uh, God's time is basically the right time. When, you know, whenever that is. And uh, you know, I could say a lot more about that, but the um, so as we tell time, yeah, of course we, you know, whatever it's ten twenty-five. We got five more minutes. You know, that's Chronos, and in five minutes I got to be done. That's good. That's okay. Kairos though is this timing that doesn't really is not really influenced by Chronos. So you go, let's go to back to Barb's. She had this understanding of hey. Uh, this is the way life is going to work for me. This is how things are going to work out. But God had something else going on. Now, I bet you Barb has a really good story afterwards about all the things she's learned and how God's blessed her, even though they're really hard. And those, well, I, uh, it, it was, uh, most of you guys were at the women's retreat. You know, we had some really like good stories. Uh, and those would be kind of to help us understand between Kronos and Kairos. So there you go. That, that, we don't need to say any more about that. 
So how does the church help you tell the times? Uh, this is real quick. In Luke 12, Jesus actually says something. Hey, you can predict the weather, but you can't tell what's going on right now. Um, and Jesus basically, you know, kind of admonishes these people. You can look at the sky and tell me what the weather is tomorrow, but you can't see what's happening right in front of you and tell and see what's happening. I mean, you can see this, but you can't understand it. So it's, it's kind of, between, you know, uh, what information are you using? And the current information is, we already talked about this, is the death and resurrection of Jesus. Um, there's a, a, a bunch of uh, verses. Mark 13, 32. Actually, all of Mark 13 is one of those. Acts chapter 1. And, and 1 Thessalonians 5, 1. What does Paul say? You don't ha- I don't have to talk to you about the times. You already know. So the Thessalonian church already knew what was up. So that's a positive thing. Um, and I just want to get to this real quick. Uh, it's probably going to raise more questions than anything, but what do we, how do we interpret our times today? Of course, we're supposed to use the death and resurrection of Jesus, but what do we typically do to help us understand what's going on in the world? The news. Well, yeah, schedules, actually, she mentions that, but she actually, she actually kind of puts that off to the side for a little bit, and that's good. So I'm going to put it off to the side, though, just like she did. Um, the news. Uh, Okay, so I'm going to just throw this out here. Pastor Music said I shouldn't, but I'm going to. Uh, There's a guy, Rolf Dobelli. Dobelli, I think uh, he's a Swiss guy. uh, The art of thinking clearly. He uh, gave up news. Now, not all news. Nightly news. So, like, uh, 24-hour news channels and just, like, TV news. He, he mainly got news from, uh, like, magazine, long articles, like, more in-depth. He, sa- he basically, like he says, if it was, I can't remember the word count, but he even got rid of the newspaper, which I wouldn't necessarily agree with, but I would say the newspaper should be a, f- a place where you can get, m- you know, more in-depth information. Um, and the reason why he said give up news is because I, I actually missed, there is one more, and I can't remember what it is. It's the first one. Did I say, news is misleading. That's it. That's the first one. Uh, he gave an example where, actually, I have it somewhere around here. Or maybe I left it upstairs. Um, a, uh, there's a man in a car, and the bridge gives out. The news will report upon the car and the man and not the bridge. Because the car, is, oh, the car was like a, uh, like an Audi 5. It was like a big fancy car. And the man, because those are all stories that people connect with, but to talk in-depthly about structure of bridge and politics, people don't pay attention to that. But that's the real issue, so it's misleading. You feel like you're getting informed, but you're not actually having any information. News is irrelevant. I mean, this is no, uh, not to be insensitive to those who died, but the plane crash in Malaysia. Frankly, that's irrelevant. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying, yeah. So, as us, I'm, I'm speaking within the room. Yes, thank you, Katie. Uh, there's a whole bunch of uh, Chinese people that it's very relevant to, and, and but the amount of coverage, right? So it's disproportionate. All right, good. So, but uh, Shirley said a, a word before. What was the word? No, no, no. Uh, entertainment. Long story short. So we get down to the end. He says, "Does news actually help you with the times?" Uh, yes, it does, as long as you're critically thinking. 
And the reason why I bring that up is because you watch the nightly news and also cable news, and you think you're informed, but guess what? You're not. There was a study done in 2012 by Dickinson College and uh, a different university. Um, and this is not to bang on Fox News or MSNBC. This is all, all nightly news. So whether you watch, I mean, let's, let's just think about this. You have actually less than 30 minutes. How much information can you get in in less, it's, it's basically about 23 minutes. Okay, so critically thinking, you really can't. Okay, so that's important for us. Um, okay. If, if so, uh, so okay. So what we find out in these two uh, graphs here, there was uh, about eighteen hundred people surveyed where they were asked questions about domestic questions, and I think it, it was uh, six questions. No, no, five questions on domestic issues and four, I believe, on international. And if you watch no news, you were expected, and, th uh, and this is taking into consideration education, class, race, and age. And, and, the, and the numbers can even be broken down even more. It's very interesting. Um, if you watch no news, you're expected to get 1.22 questions right. If you watch, now, if you only watch Fox News, you get, you it's worse than not watching this. <laughs> but MSNBC and CNN do not fare that well better. And, and, and they use the Daily Show with Jon Stewart? That's what that means. Now, the only reason why, so they put that in there, and I, they were trying to prove the point that actually watching nightly news is more akin to entertainment than actually getting information. So, I mean, there's nothing wrong with watching these. You just have to be understand what are you actually watching and thinking critically about this. Is this actually helping you understand the times or not? And I would say no. I mean, I can tell you right now, the main reason why I watch, uh, I usually watch Channel 5, but now I kind of like watching Channel 7 for, uh, you know, the Chicago news, is uh, the weather. Yeah. And Holly will know, I flip the channels very quickly because if there is a, and, I, and I, I, I will say this, if there is a story on a young child that's been shot, I will change it very quickly because guess what? That is irrelevant to me and it will only hurt me. Yeah, I mean, oh my gosh. Do I know that certain parts of the city are dangerous? Yes. How much more information do I need of that situation before I actually get it? N none more. Okay. Now, again, someone might say, but you need to know what it's like to live in those areas. That's true, but not through the nightly news. NPR, National Public Radio. The PBS uh, NPR. So uh, yeah, if you if you if you uh, you will stay most informed. And I looked at the questions, and if you actually go, I didn't put the website on there, but they actually have a survey that you can fill out too. So they're 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 continually collecting data. So is this one point nine seven questions they get right? Right. Yep. So even the people that watch like the best news source are still only getting less than half. Of That's right. Mm -hmm. Right. 
So this is all relative. So this goes back to the point then, in terms of like when you when you get, how do you understand the times? Sometimes we put a lot of faith in these nightly news things, but in fact, they're not really helping you understand the times. They're actually entertaining you about a certain a segment. Bam. Okay, good. But not only your filter, but what we find out, it's actually their filter. Yeah. So anyway, so Pastor Nelson isn't saying to not watch the news. Yes, that's a double negative. But rather, Pastor Nelson is advocating to think critically about how you tell the times and which worldview are you using to interpret the times, which would mean, are you, are you interpreting it or are you letting someone else interpret it? Um, yeah. Is it Jesus' victory in death and resurrection or is it Bill O'Reilly, Wolf Blitzer, or Rachel Meadow? Um, yeah, and I, I think, so this is something, though, that is really helpful for, I think, for us to kind of consider. Because the death and resurrection of Jesus is so pervasive, and, but it is a hopeful worldview. Hopeful worldview. And after watching the nightly news, you can live in fear and hopelessness. Holly. That's what I was going to say. Just that it, it is so easy to get scared by what they push at you instead of remembering that you know what who's it who's who's got it if somebody comes and murders me with a hacksaw or whatever nobody wins except god yeah i mean that the person didn't win i win with jesus right so even in my death um, I, I usually do listen to NPR. Full, full disclosure, I do. I do listen to NPR, um, but of course I only listen to it in snippets when I'm driving. I don't listen to it at home. I don't listen here at work. Uh, the other thing too is I love Frontline. I love Frontline. Oh yeah, I saw that one. It was on this week. Okay, good. Frontline, very in depth. Okay, anyways, we gotta go. Let's pray. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. All right, see ya.